Welcome back to the Jacobsville Podcast. This week on the School of Unlearning, we're talking about the power of our testimony. Let's get started. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fabulous. Excellent. It's excellent. Yes. It got cold. Yep. You know, I noticed something weird about our about our country. Yes. Um, California's on fire. Yes. And then there's snow in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. And there are bears with nunchucks. Oh. I saw it on Facebook. Which state is that? I don't know, but I saw it on Facebook. Sounds it was like a, Seattle a, it was a meme. Apparently a bear got a hold of nunchucks and was flopping <laughs> around. Someone got a picture and said, this is 2020. We now have bears with nunchucks. So, yeah. Yeah. This is, wow. Yeah. Thanks for joining us this week and uh, good is luck. Is this the wrap-up statement? Yeah. Oh, uh, no, I, we should probably oh, say I something. Oh, I like that. Da-na, yeah, play the, ah, there it is. There's the music. Close it out. Yes. Yes, it is. It is pretty amazing. I love this time of year, though. Oh, oh yeah. Yes, because all the hunters go in the woods and they leave the boat landings open for mm. me. So I appreciate that. How generous of them! It is. It's good for them to get out of my way, so uh, I can catch all the fish that they're not. So yeah. yeah, I love it too. I don't know if I love when the temperature drops like forty degrees. Yes. in a day. Yeah, that that's a little jarring. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, we're gonna do this again this winter, and it's amazing when people are are offended by it. You know, it's <laughs> just Wisconsin. I can't believe it's gonna snow. It's just. We live in Wisconsin. It's going to do that yes. every year. Yes. Every year. It is year. a bit of a brutal state, though, if you think about it. It is. Like, it gets really cold, really snowy. But then the summers, they're kind of brutal, too. Yeah. Yeah. Why is anyway, that? It just gets hot. Yeah. And it's that humid kind of swimming through. This is why you guys are listening to the podcast yes. today, so you can hear our musings about yes. Wisconsin weather patterns. Yeah. I I think our summers are lovely. They're all right. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the perfect place to live for you then? Pacific Northwest. Oh, there it is. Just yep. same temperature every day. Yeah, Washington, Oregon coast probably. Well, that's wet and cold, isn't it? Yeah, but I love the rain. Mm. All right. It like soothes the soul. Uh, sh- <laughs> play rain background music. Yes. Nice. So today, yes. we're talking about testimonies. Yes. We're talking about the power of people's stories. Yeah. You had an awesome testimony this last weekend. Yeah. It, it was fun. It was fun for me to share. I've um, I've gotten to share my my coming to faith story a few times in different ways with the adults in in weekend church. That sounds weird to say, but um, it was fun to get to share some of the details that usually I've only really told at youth groups and stuff sure. like that. Some of the things that sound a little bit silly, but I think what I love about sharing those aspects of of the story is it it points to like, oh man, there was there was such a real tangible excitement mm. and. Um, uh, kind of this like emotional overpour that was had its source and had its root in what was being changed inside of me. Yeah. And um, yeah. And just, uh, I've already just in the last couple of days gotten some emails and had a few people talk to me just about, about how it stirred them up and how it reminded mm. them. And a few people like reached out and were like, Hey, so this is my story. And I was like, Oh, what a cool thing. Yep. I, I didn't even ask them to do that. And, and um, something about sharing how God worked in your heart, connects with other people kind of absolutely. brings those embers back to life. Yeah, absolutely. It, it connects us on that, um, wonderful, uh, relational level. You know, it does incredible things. We know scientifically to our brain, there's only certain mm-hmm. chemicals that are released in our brain when we're communicating and we're sharing with other people, it builds empathy with each other. It humanizes each other. I mean, I think for you and your position as worship pastor, it makes people easier. It makes it easier for people to follow you, you sure. know, and just know, okay, I feel like I know this guy and, real guy and and um it's powerful stuff i mean god has invested a huge amount of power in story mm. and our story you know um 
Yeah, so it was very fun. It was fun to have it presented with so much joy. I think people were ready for a message of joy. <laughs> and um, you you sang. I was going to sing this week, but uh, maybe not. I, oh no, I think I was asked. I think I was told we need to do that weekly. Have, oh, weekly. All right, weekly. I'll work. I'll work something up. Maybe a show tune. I'm not mm. sure. I'll, I'll I'll work on Ooh. it. And get back. But uh, um, but yeah. Will I, there be a dance that will? Uh, perhaps, I've danced a couple of weeks ago. I'm just saying, if there's sh- show tunes, public demands it. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, this thing about story. <laughs> meanwhile, back at the <laughs> podcast, um, I remember uh, distinctly one of the first times I ever shared my story. You know, because sometimes it's okay. We share a story with our friends. We share a story with, you know, every now and again, you get an opportunity like you had to share it publicly. But um, I, I really believe the heart of the gospel mission is learning the ability to share your story, you know, um, and then, then show how your story connects to Jesus story and then help another person connect their story to Jesus's story. Mm-hmm. I remember distinctly as a teenager, I was a pretty new Christian and I had just been, uh, through a training on how to share my faith. And the heart of that was, Hey, write out your testimony. So what was your life before Christ? What was your life? How'd you come to know Christ? What's your life been since? Um, which, which, which is, a little artificial, but it was a good process for me. And then to learn how to explain to people the simple message that Jesus died for us and how Jesus is the bridge to God. And I learned how to write mm-hmm. something called the bridge illustration. And I remember um, I was going to do this. I had a friend who I thought pretty safe to talk to this person. I don't think they'll hate me if this goes bad or anything like that. And I had this friend and we were sitting in McDonald's and I remember, you know, she was actually curious, has you really changed and what's going on in your life? And, and uh, I started telling her about who Jesus was and who Jesus was in my life and what had happened to me. And I drew out the bridge illustration. And I remember saying to her, like I was supposed to do, has anything like this ever happened to you? And she said, I don't think so. I said, and I was supposed to ask, would you like to pray to receive Christ now? And she said, yes. Mm-hmm. And I remember being absolutely shy. It was, it was probably the worst presentation of the gospel ever because <laughs> like, really? I mean, it's kind of like, you, you want to do Are this? Are you sure about that? In McDonald's? Can we do that? And, and, and I think she said, can we do that in McDonald's? I said, I think so. And so we <laughs> prayed and had this, this incredible, you know, Holy Spirit moment in McDonald's. And I, and, and it was one of the first times I recognized the, the power of my story. And, and my story's not like, you know, uh, I was born on the South side and I robbed banks till I was 10. And then I killed oh, yeah. four people in prison. And then, you know, light came from heaven and, you know, it, my story is pretty, you know, I was a teenage kid and grew up in a religious home, but didn't have a personal relationship, that kind of thing. And, um, and, and what, what makes that powerful are a couple things. One is people, when people can relate with your, your story, it creates empathy and then they can see themselves in your story. And then when you connect yourself to Jesus's story, they, they then, have an on-ramp to Jesus's story. And the other thing, and we're going to start discovering this this weekend when we, we start the, the, the book of Acts, is that Jesus actually told us that he was going to invest power in our story. Mm. So he said, he said, um, you know, go to Jerusalem, wait there till the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says, and you will receive power. And so that's just something important for the church to understand, that as a church and as individuals, we have been receiving power. So it's not about how well you do your story or how amazing your story is or how interesting your story is. 
It's about the power that's been invested in your story. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then, then the natural result will be, you will be my witness. And that word witness is a Greek word, martos, which means, you know, witness. It's where we get the word martyr from, by the way. Um, and there is a dying to yourself that happens when you share your faith. You have to die to your, you know, fears and inhibitions and demands for privacy and all those kinds of things like that. But when we become a witness for Christ, it's an indication the Holy Spirit's working in our life. And I really think that there are levels of of growth we don't even begin to experience until we are willing and active in sharing our story with people who don't have a relationship with Christ. And so uh, it, it's just such an incredible, one, calling, but also an incredible step of discipleship, you know, to sit down and say, okay, what is my story? Who is Jesus Christ to me? Have I ever told anybody how I became a follower of Jesus Christ? I mean, it bonds in a way that is absolutely powerful, and it opens the door for people to see themselves becoming followers of Christ. Mm-hmm. So just pretty cool stuff. Yeah. No, I love that. And it's going to be interesting as we go into Acts and we talk about the importance of this, the importance of sharing your faith. I think some people um, in different church traditions or, or different things that they had experienced growing up, sometimes there's this pressure. Sure. You know, this feeling like, okay, now it is your duty right. to go out and evangelize. Right. And, and to get as many people as you possibly can. Right. And if you don't, you know. Right. And so sometimes that can put a, one, kind of a veil of, of pressure and weight on the whole activity. Sure. But then also, like, make you feel, oh, man, I, I, I'm not living up to right. to what God has for me and what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm such a failure and right. and all of these things. And I find a lot of comfort in exactly what you said, that, that the Holy Spirit will come on you in power. Yep. Yep. What I think is so important for us to remember is not a single one of us, by how skillfully we explain the gospel, is going to change someone's heart. Right. You know, whether, like you said, whether it was the worst presentation of the gospel right. ever and you're sitting in McDonald's or it's ideal and there's m- music and there's right. whatever, there's right. the, the, the clouds part at the right. perfect time and you feel right. like you just nailed every point unless that Holy Spirit stirs in their heart well, and does that work. Well, and something I always tell people too is that the importance of the Holy Spirit in the beginning, middle, and end of this process is huge. And so... If a person's really not walking in the spirit, close to the spirit, they probably shouldn't be sharing their faith because they're probably going to do some kind of ham-handed, guilt-induced thing. Um, and if you're not feeling prompted by the spirit to talk to a person, then you don't need to feel this immediate pressure mm-hmm. to, I mean, I think, I don't know if you've ever been to one of those conferences where you have a speaker tell his airplane story. It just seems like all these national speakers who fly all over have a, have a story about leading people to Christ on an airplane. Yeah. And so the whole idea there is that you need to be that Christian that no matter who you sit by on the airplane, you're going to tell them how they can accept Christ. You know, you're going to be that guy. And there's some people who have incredible gifts of evangelism. They do that and they, they rock that rather than being a spirit discerned Christian. Cause I actually have talked to people about, uh, about faith on the airplane um, but it was not one of those things. Okay. Who, who am I going to sit by? How am I going to do this? It was conversation started and it just led, what do you do? And I, did, I'm pastor and then started talking about, you know, okay, would you go to church or how do you grow up? And, and well, for me, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And when I was a kid and then just tell your story, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and, and 
that more natural, authentic walking with the spirit in it rather than mm. this kind of militaristic tell as many people as you possibly can. And, and I've, I mean, there's a lot of guilt around this topic. I remember mm-hmm. uh, hearing, um, I was in a church that really, uh, when I first came to Christian, really was like, if you don't witness, people are going to go to hell because of you kinds of kinds of things. And in heaven, you're going to have to look in the face of every person you ever knew and whether or not you told them to heaven, they're going to ask you, I have to go to hell now. Why didn't you tell me about Jesus? Stuff like that. I mean, just really heavy handed yeah. kind of, wow. whoa, okay. Um, and that's, that's, that's would be true if the verse read, and you have to have power so that you can be my witnesses. But it doesn't say this, is you will receive power. And to walk with the Spirit and to live in the Spirit, you know, and sometimes our, our witness is what happened to us in the past, how we're handling things today, how we're serving people today. You know, it's basically a testimony that this is who Jesus is to me, mm. and this is how I'm living Right, Jesus. And, you, and you just kind of tease that up, that it's a, it's a living, it's an ongoing testimony. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, I'm in the middle of my story. If you think of, of your testimony as your story, as the narrative of your life, the story, you know, what story is your life telling? Is it telling a Jesus story? Um, you know, and I'm obviously we're talking more about than just going to church or professing, you know, mm-hmm. faith. It's actually that there's there's evidence that you're walking with the Spirit. And if you're listening to this and you're going, oh, I don't know that there is, I better start being better, you're missing the point. What you should stop, do you do, you should stop and say, okay, Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I want a relationship with you. I want you to start defining my life. Work on your relationship with the Holy Spirit, you know, through prayer, through scripture study, and then learn to listen to the Spirit. And it'll be amazing how, you know, the Spirit will prompt you. And and there's a million different ways to share your faith. You obviously can just share your testimony. You can, you know, lay out the, the, the bridge illustration, but you can also invite someone to church. You can also just write someone an encouraging note. You can do a, a uh, an act of kindness for someone in Christ's name. I mean, there's so many ways to be a witness um, because the truth is not a lot of people just cold hear the message of Jesus and they accept it. Right. Most people journey and they need you to journey with them yeah. in a wonderful way. One of the most useful things I've heard was uh, there's this guy on YouTube and I, I can't for the life of me, John Jorgensen, I think is his name. Anyway, mm-hmm. he made this great video where he was trying to help people understand when they're sharing their faith that your goal shouldn't be, if you're looking at like a spectrum of zero to 10, of zero, the person's never heard about Jesus before, has no concept of this whatsoever, and 10 would be, I want to, I want to believe in him. Yeah, I want to sure. follow him. Yep. Your goal, sh- you shouldn't have this pressure as if you need to bring someone from zero to 10, right. but that your conversation and your witness, you right. have an opportunity to maybe move them from four to five, right? you know, or maybe a couple steps, but you are one seed right. along this journey of experience and stuff. Yep. And, and, and again, remembering that it's not us that brings about those incredible miracle moments. It's God constantly walking with them. It, well, it's the Holy spirit. And again, just repeating to yourself, I will receive power, and there's power in the testimony, and God changes hearts and minds. And even, you know, in seminary, they called what you were describing, it was called the angle scale of, you know, um, one is completely indifferent. I actually think we, we, we live in a culture where there's a lot of people like are, are negative five. Mm. So they're like anti-Christian, and they're, they've yeah. had a bad experience with Christians, or or they believed a narrative. They haven't actually had a bad experience with Christians, but they believe a narrative that Christians are you know, bad, evil, narrow-minded, homophobic, you know, all the, all the terms. And so just meeting you 
mm. and you're normal and you're kind and you're not angry and you really seem to have something real in your life, that moves them from hostile to maybe indifferent. <laughs> but that's a huge step. Yeah. And then from indifferent, maybe, you know, one of the key times where I really try to draw close to people is, is, is crisis. So, you know, they lose a job, parent dies, they get a, they get sick, you know, and just sometimes it's as easy as just reaching out to them and just saying, even in my neighborhood, you know, people I see in the street, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. If there's anything I can do, if you ever want to talk, you know, that is a huge open door, you know, for people to become more open to God than ever before. And maybe they show up at church and then maybe you do get a chance at lunch to tell them, well, let me tell you what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And it could happen to you too, you know? So, um, it's, it's participating with the spirit in the work the spirit is doing. I mean, that, that's the other thing that's just so important. I think to remember in all this, the Holy spirit doesn't get started when we get started. Mm. I mean, that's one of the things that we get the idea that until we get going, God's really not doing any work. Mm. Jesus was really clear about this. He says, my father is always at work. Mm-hmm. I see where he's working and I join him. And so if we wake up in the morning, so God, you're working in someone's life. You're going to put me in someone's path where you're at work. Help me to join you in that work. Help me to discern. And it's amazing. I, there have been times I've been sharing my faith and I'm saying things, boy, I didn't even realize I knew. Mm. And that's, yep. that's when the spirit takes over. Yeah. The, the, the other thing, again, this is just kind of the response to the whole, boy, we have to do evangelism um, to, to just this. If you've been involved in seeing lives change, there is a joy in that. Mm-hmm. There is a delight in that. There is a fun in that. There is a God becomes real in that, unlike anything else, where you're joining him in his work. It's a fellowship you have with Christ when you become a co-laborer with Christ. Yeah. It's like anything. If you do a job with someone, if you fight a battle with someone, if you go through a struggle with someone, it bonds you to them. And this is what Jesus is all about. And so when you join him in that, it becomes amazing. That wonderful passage, I believe it's in Luke 10, maybe Luke 14, I think it's Luke 10, where it says, and the disciples returned to him with joy. And they said, even the demons are subject to us. And the kingdom of God's being ushered. And then it says, and then Jesus said, with joy. And so the disciples' joy and Jesus' joy met in this collision of joy mm-hmm. because they were part of something bigger than themselves. You know, and I mean, I mean, just to say it, what's more important? I mean, if you made a billion dollars, you can keep it for a while, but that's nothing compared to helping one person find eternal life. Mm-hmm. I mean, the difference between, you know, treasures in heaven and treasures on earth, the treasures in heaven are all related to how we treat people and the people we can influence to know and become like Christ. So so it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. We're going to actually be walking through Acts through like most of the year. So we're going to actually take 26 weeks in Acts. We're going to take a break around Easter and a little break after the first of the year, but um, we're going to be coming back and forth in throughout the book of Acts and it's going to be very cool. Yeah. So, Maybe it'd be fun for people to kind of hear like, cause a question might be, well, why would you, sure. why would you spend so much time in this book? Um, and I think there's actually a, a really, this, this one in particular is very compelling. What would you say to that? I, I, a couple things. There's two things. One is what I want to emphasize this weekend is that this is our story. So there's a lot of narratives going on right now that, you know, you're part of the American story, you're part of the Democratic story, the Republican story, you're part of 
social justice stories, all these kinds of stories. This is our story. It's not like we're reading about Peter and John and James. The, the book of Acts doesn't end. It just, we're the continuation of it. And so this is our narrative. This informs who we are and how we should live and what's important. You know, the other thing that it, that really is cool for me about the book of Acts is just the radical message of, of inclusion in the book of Acts. So, so here's really the story of Acts. It's, it's, it's the most real story. It's an eternal story. It is actually the most inclusive story. And, and, and it's, it's the story um, that, that has eternal consequences. It lasts forever. And so, so this thing of being inclusion, I, I really believe the whole, the whole um, outline of the book of Acts is, okay, you're going to be my witnesses, okay? And it's going to start in Jerusalem. It's going to start where you're comfortable, where you're at, and you're going to be the church there. And then there's going to be a Judea which is going to be okay. That's going to branch out a little bit more. And it's going to be people who are like me, but kind of not too much, you know, other Jews. Okay. Mm -hmm. But just from other towns. So, you know, we might get as far as Bloomer or Osseo for goodness sakes. My goodness. Anything good from come come from Osseo, right? Um, There's a secret joke that almost no one's getting. Right. Yes. Yes. One of us is from Osseo and it's not me. So, um, (laughs) um, but we're going to include them too. But then that's Samaritans, nice. yeah, you know, nice and that's the gospel, right? Yeah. Samaritans. Oh my gosh, those half-breed people. We're gonna, and then we're going to go to the other ends of the earth. So we're going to include Gentiles. And what we're going to see, I think, in the book of Acts is that when a lot of the first believers who were all Jewish heard that, they probably thought, oh, well, we're going to go gather out all the Jews who are scattered through among the nations, because that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. All these Jews from all over were in Jerusalem. And then the gospel. But then what happens in the middle of the book of Acts is chapter 12, you go to the, the great city of Antioch and the church of Antioch, which is primarily Gentiles, accepts the gospel. And then we have to ask the question, oh, okay, well, do they have, what do we have to do to include them? Do they have to eat kosher? Do they have to get circumcised? Do they have to, you know, separate from their friends and family? What are the rules? Do they have to become Jewish to become Christian? And at the end of the day, they have this big thing called the Council of Jerusalem and say, nope, you know, the gospel is just Jesus. And then you have this constant pushing of the gospel into new places, into slaves, into women, into um, Roman soldiers, you know, into the very household of Herod, the, the emperor. I mean, you have this ever-expanding gospel, and then at the end of the book of Acts, it just the book just ends. It doesn't conclude. And I really believe that's the Holy Spirit's way of saying— you know, to be continued and continued and continued all the way to the Chippewa Valley in 2020, we are the book of Acts. And so why are we going to spend so much time on this? Because um, it's our story. It's our history. And, um, and, and again, it just, it really informs what's the narrative of our life. Mm-hmm. What's the story our life is supposed to tell, you know? I want my story to be connected to that story. It's like diving in a river and letting it letting it sweep me away. Um, because my story, truth be told, my story is just about me and my, you know, however, however many years, you know, even I get 80, 90, 100 years on this earth, it's pretty small. It's not that important if it's just the blip and I'm here and then I'm gone. No matter what I do. I mean, if I do, if I do make the most money, make the most accomplished, becomes the most famous 
there's in in all there is is the material universe. Well, there's eventually a time where it goes dark, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm forgotten. You know, um, but if I'm part of God's story, part of that eternal story, the most real story, man, um, life of significance, of joy, of energy, of passion, of focus. It's just it's powerful, um, and and I really do believe it's the most real story. Um, been reading a lot of. I read. I was just on vacation, so I just read a bunch. Been reading a bunch of C.S. Lewis. So I reread The Great Divorce. And I read Abolition of Man. I reread the Space Trilogy. And one of the things that C.S. Lewis is just so wonderful about is just really clarifying what's real. You know that this world is Shadowlands, and that what is the most real is the eternal. You know, and anything here, no matter what joys we experience, are just a a, a whiff, a, a tiny taste of what joy really looks like. And any grief that is here is, is you know, nothing compared to the grief of a life without God, an eternity without God. And so this life either is, is a springboard into eternity in what is most real, um, or it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a anticlimactic, as good as it's ever going to get. You know, and so, um, yeah, I want to be part of that story. So, yeah. That's awesome. You bet. All right. So next week, everybody, we start a brand new series. Buckle up. Ethnos. Ethnos. It's going to be Which awesome. is the Greek word for people group, nation. Yeah. And that's where that's where the gospel goes. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us, for being a part of this. We're excited to see you guys again next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>